0: topic of our Dhamma talk this evening is Anatta. And uh, let us start uh, with uh, a stanza from the 16th chapter of the Visuddhimagga, Manga which states, mere suffering exists, no sufferer is found. The deeds are but No doer of the deeds is there. Nibbana is, but not the man or woman that enters it. The path is, but no traveler on it is seen. Now, hearing uh, this sadness stanza for the first time, there will surely be uh, certain aspects that are hard to relate to. In the course of Fudna, this Sudden Discourse let us you know, together especially at the beginning explore how the Self manifests, how we actually experience you know, this and there are plenty of certain uh, aspects to be uh, mentioned here, and then having done you know, this, how through the mindfulness certain meditation practice that uh, uh, notion of a self at least uh, gets put into uh, question, and we shall then go on you know, to and take a look at certainly, the textual material you know, that is there, the so various passages given you know, by you know, the Buddha with or passages that contain you know, some of the Buddha's statements on Anatta. And certainly by the end of you know, the discourse hopefully uh, this certain initial our stanza will make some more sense. The sense of fitness Self seems to be very strongly, firmly established in our stream of consciousness. Now there is sudden the identification with various things such as one's age, one's sudden gender, or one's ability, or uh, to one's profession, can you think of other aspects that certain we might start uh, identifying with? Yes, General, I came Nationality, up. ethnicity, possessions, physical characteristics, almost anything. Ah, you're mentioning already quite a number. And one being a mother, one might identify with that sudden status of being a mother, and if that gets suddenly threatened, then what's a tragedy? Now, before we go into further aspects of identification and possessions is indeed certainly uh, one of those let us briefly explore what certainly happens to our sense of self when we get praised what happens yes Kim What happens to our sense of self when, this, uh, you know, when we get praised? It's, it's stronger. It gets stronger. And on the other hand, when we get blamed for this or that, you know, then what happens to that sense of self? <coughs> Obviously, it gets stronger as well. <laughs> <laughs> How is that? Usually, um, when there's when there's blame. Um, Then there's inner like argumentation, recrimination. All these are just facets of the self Uh um, reifying itself in in contrast to the blame. Well, that's a good certainly a good point. Uh, But when we get blamed, to some extent, that's a direct attack to our sense of self. And at least for a little bit, the self uh, gets a bit weakened. Mm -hmm. And then there is. Uh, all of what certainly you've said, you know, trying to, you know, justify what what we've done and so on. Now, again, in the presence of honor and dishonor, you know, there will be an impact on the self when we are uh, we get satna uh, honored in one way or another yeah, then yeah, this boosts our sense of self uh, but on the other hand in the case of dishonor uh, this uh, might weaken uh, again our sense of self again when we Lose something, that says say some, uh, property or friends, family, a family member, then uh, that certainly too has an impact on our sense of self. On the other hand, certainly when we're successful, we're, we gain something, then this too will strengthen our sense of self. Now, identification can happen with regards to our possessions, material possessions, or maybe our group of friends who are important certain to us. And around certain possessions, we, or people, we do not want to lose them because they make uh, up what we are. Can you think of other aspects that we might certainly be identifying with careers roles, careers, roles yes practice. our practice yes indeed uh, yeah, so um, when the practice is going really well you know, then you know the sense of self uh, strengthens and uh, or in which sense did you mean it? In which sense? That we can we can take personally how we feel our practice is going. Ah, hmm uh-huh. Or the very fact that we are a meditator. Uh, no. Uh, this is great. Now. There could also uh, be an identification with uh, our views, our opinions, especially our world views. And if someone comes and dare attack certain uh, one of our pet views, then uh, this may have a uh, terrible consequences. We perceive it as an attack uh, onto our uh, self. Now from Buddhist, certain point of view, there could be identification with one's body, in particular uh, aspects such as, uh, let's say, the shape of one's body, whether it's well shaped or not, the strength of it, the health of it, the youth of it, and of the flexibility of it. They could certainly further be an identification with our feelings and certainly so placing much importance on our feelings and certainly taking our feelings as an indicator for uh, decisions or something to base our uh, decisions on. Some might identify with their perceptions, certainly you know, thinking highly of how they perceive the world. Yet others might identify with you know, some one or you know, the other of you know, the um, mental states, and uh, mental states or mental. Qualities so you know, if you no know, one happens to be a very compassionate person, then there might be a strong identification with that uh, very compassion or you know, someone who is extremely intelligent you know, will identify. With that very intelligence, thinking that this is what makes up myself. Or finally, there could be an identification with one's sudden consciousness, the way one is suddenly conscious. Now, as human beings, we still do more than just identifying with this or that. We have this further pattern of being interested in becoming something or Becoming something or somebody. So this satna then go, goes along with sadhana, some um, uh, goal that so we're setting ourselves, and satna then uh, we're working you know, towards that. So let's say, you know, wanting you know, to become an expert. Meditator, or wanting you know, to become an expert—what, so, uh, you know, an expert analyst, or you know, whatever it else it might suddenly you know, be. one outcome or or one aspect related uh, to the self is that uh, uh, time and again we will try to control and especially in the meditation practice our experiences but even in life in, in general we want to be in control of our life and it's us who's taking the major decisions. Now, as you will surely be aware, the French, the famous French philosopher René Descartes uh, did Sutnes coin the following a sentence cogito ergo sum in the Latin uh, language which Sutnes means um, I think therefore I am and obviously and René Descartes had said, uh, quite an influence at his time and to even uh, later, and so um, that way of thinking then has had its sudden impact. So, this sudden then shows us that even we can even identify with our you know, thinking the way we think, the thoughts you know, we think, the logic of you know, our you know, thinking, and so on. Let us briefly explore the notions of a self as you know, put forward in different religions or philosophical um, systems. So in Christianity, the self or soul is uh, uh, defined as the immaterial essence of an individual life. Or the self has been defined as the essential distinct from others the buddha and suddenly his time has uh, picked up you know, certain uh, views of a self held certain by others by heretics and certainly sometimes taken those views and then elaborated on them Often, and, of course, Satne defeated them. So one you know, such case is given in the first volume of the Majima Nikāya, section 136 37, where it says, Here, someone's view is this, this is self, this is the world. After death, I shall be permanent everlasting then that person hears the true doctrine for the exhaustion of craving for cessation for extinction for Nibbana then one thinks so I shall be annihilated so I shall be lost so I shall be no more and as an a result of holding such a view, then, one's sorrows and laments. That is how there's anguish about what is non-existent in oneself. Or another view that was suddenly held at the time of the Buddha is that the soul and the body are the same. The self and the body are the same. The materialist schools at the time of Futna, the Buddha, rejected all immaterial conceptions of a self or soul and according to them a human individual was just uh, uh, like an automaton or like a robot functioning according to the dictates of matter. According to you know, the Chandogya Upanishad <coughs> there the Atman, the Self the Soul, is suddenly you know, described in various ways, such as being free from death, you know, so in other words eternal, free from uh, sorrow, visoka and uh, having real thoughts, satyam samkalpa. And after uh, uh, death, this soul uh, has uh, form because it appears in its own form. So the notion or one of uh, the qualities of that self or soul was to be eternal, everlasting, permanent, and unchanging. And furthermore, possessed of bliss and autonomous. Now, at the time of the Buddha, there exist there were the jainas and they still uh, exist and to them the soul is uh, identified with life it is said to be finite and uh, um, it is said to have Variable though definite size and weight. So to have a definite size and weight means that the soul uh, in an elephant is much bigger than the soul in an ant. The Jainas also hold uh, the view that it's not only human beings that have souls, but also everything else in the universe. Like trees are believed to have a soul, etc. Contemporary to the Buddha were also the Ajiwakas and uh, they were of the opinion that Satna the soul had a particular shape, namely that it was octagonal or globular and 500 Yojanas in extent And on top of that, it was considered to be blue in color. So in your meditation practice, have you found anything globular, octagonal, (coughs) or globular in uh, your uh, experiences that would come close to a self? Yes, no? Not written. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) You're still trying. (laughs) Summarizing what has been said so far, the soul or the self can be defined as a principle of thought and action in human beings, or that which thinks, which wills and feels, that which knows and sees, and also that which appropriates and owns. Generally speaking, it is conceived As a perdurable entity, the permanent, unchanging factor within the concrete personality. So, if everything else changes, at least that sense of, or that self or soul, is suttness thought to remain constant. It is also said to be the subject of. Um, all consciousness spiritual experience Some hold the view that that self or soul is independent of the body, immaterial and eternal. Now, let us assume the existence of a self within based on this assumption start out suddenly with our meditation practice and suddenly we observe the formations as they naturally arise then what happens we notice what They shift and change and then they pass away. They shift and change and pass away. Well, we'll see that, yes. Even prior to this. Even prior to this, suddenly we will make a very simple but suddenly very important discovery. So as we keep observing, or, as we keep following the meditation instructions and we keep observing whatever predominant uh, object comes along, so you know, there will be you know, the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, you know, there will be pains and aches, and hardness and stiffness, heat and cold movements of the body, there will be you know, thinking, you know, memories, there will be joy, happiness, restlessness, um, sudden ill will, aversion, etc., etc eventually we will realize that they're just those physical and mental formations going on right and uh, at least at times there uh, is a, you know, there's no sense of uh, of a self so the very outset of our practice what we do is an analysis of what is actually happening in the body and the mind just taking stock of what is going on and based on this analysis we can we then already see to some extent that this notion of a self is somewhat not as permanent and uh, uh, everlasting as thought of or as assumed. So we will experience certain things such as uh, the four great elements, the earth element, the water element, the you know, wind you know, element and certain you know, fire you know, element we also uh, will um come, you know, to uh you know, see for ourselves you know this certain you know, process of uh, uh let's say a visible um object being there and you know, then the eyes being there and that's leading to the arising of seeing consciousness and the three of those coming into contact being known as certain contact fasa or upon experiencing the flavor of or the taste of an object the feeding uh, aspect of the mind as a mental factor, becomes obvious. When there's the perceiving of the object, uh, we uh, know this is perception, and so on and so forth. Understanding that there is no entity of any kind that can be or should be treated as an I or uh, mine, one yeah, then mm, uh, comes to have um, or. or then, experiences what is called the purification of you, Deity, Visuddhi, in the Pali scriptural language. Now, with a further deepening of our meditation practice, we gradually and in a very direct manner. Notice how one mm, or how certain conditions are there and suddenly they lead to a certain uh, result. So if it's very hot, then the heat plus the humidity then contribute to the sweating, cause the sweating, the perspiration of the body to take place. Now, in this particular process, is there any self to be found? Is it the self that uh, uh, initiates the perspiration? Let me sweat. Let the body sweat. It's not the case at all. Or would certainly you say that maybe some supreme being uh, is in control? So let us assume, as in a certain religious tradition, that there is such a supreme being, and that supreme being has an influence and controls the individual soul. So, the Supreme Being gives orders to the individual self or soul, and Satna then tells Satna, that individual self, to cause perspiration, to start. Does it work that way? Deborah, what would you say? No? No? Absolutely not. Now, our careful examination of uh, reality, of what is going on in the meditation practice, Mm, upon uh, seeing how uh, certain factors, certain conditions lead to the arising of a certain result, may uh, help or for sure will help to dispel yet another wrongful uh, view, namely that all formations are occurring in a haphazard manner. So without certain any uh, cause. Now, that, too, is certainly easy to dispel. When one takes a closer look at what is happening in the walking practice, there is uh, the desire, let's say, having stood upright for uh, quite some time, then eventually the desire, the intention to start start walking arises and that then uh, gets followed by the actual physical process of walking. So it would be mm, wrong to assume that the walking happens in a haphazard manner. So again, in all of Vaatna this, there is not much room for the notion of a Self. Now, the purification of Fatna, the mind, that takes place with this kind of an understanding is known as the purification by overcoming doubt. Kanka vitarana vissuddhi in the Pali scriptural language. Now, with this, the attack on the notion of a self, assumed notion of an existing self, continues. And keep in mind, one of the assumed qualities of a self is that it is permanent. However, when we carefully inspect the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, when we carefully expect our feelings, or even something like our uh, uh, thinking, etc., we see what? We find what? We find change. That's it. We find change, we find uh, you know, that certain of those formations are not as permanent, not as constant, as assumed. But rather they are impermanent. And they can change rather quickly, you know, from one moment to another. So that certain, uh, very discovery that formations that we tend to identify with, that these certain formations are subject to impermanence, that certain once again will weaken our sense of a permanent, perdurable uh, self. So, as we have fitness seen at the outset of Fatna, this Satna dog, we tend to identify with a great variety of things. So, we might identify with our body, with the health of it, and the youth of it, and the beauty of it, etc. However, when those Satna things change, then um, that identification becomes questionable. So if we're no longer if earlier on uh, we enjoyed certain good health and certain much certain physical strength and now this is not the case anymore obviously uh, that suddenly certain affects certainly the sense of self. By the way of inference, one can then assume what certain is true in the present moment, what is true for presently arising uh, formations, will also have been true in the past and will be uh, true for the formations to arise in the future. As human beings, we tend to prefer stability. So stability of our life, stability of uh, our new family, stability of partner-just events in general. And when we keep seeing change, then now, this is certainly then experienced as what? Loss. As loss? What else? Dukkha. Dukkha. That's it, and loss is part of it. So as dukkha, as suffering or unsatisfactoriness. So it's unsatisfactory that things are happening that way. We want. Um, the rising movement of the abdomen to remain the same so that it's easy to observe it. However, the rising movement of the abdomen will not do us this favor and will keep changing. And that uh, uh, may be to our uh, dismay. So that's certainly the original Interpretation why formations are said to be dukkha. Obviously, apart from that, there is also dukkha dukkha. So, the uh, dukkha mm, that comes in the form of pains, bodily pains, and aches, and the dukkha that comes in the form of unwholesome uh, mental states. We can even take it a step, but no further. There's certainly the uh, mere oppression of fatna formations through you know, their constant arising, passing, and in comparison to you know, nibbana, you know, the very uh, arising, the very existence of those formations is certainly considered a form of. It's not just considered, and can be experienced as a form of fatness, suffering. Now, with a further exploration of uh, what is going on in this body and mind, when observing the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, all the other predominant objects, we come to um, make yet a new uh, discovery if earlier on we had always wanted to influence the rise and fall to control it when it was too shallow and uh, difficult to observe we would deliberately make it more forceful speed it up um, make it in a way that's, uh, uh, it would be easier to observe it. However, there comes a point in the practice where that simply doesn't uh, happen. And eventually, the mind gets tired of wanting to uh, get rid of certain physical pains and things, to get rid of uh, unpleasant certain uh, mental or unwholesome mental states and uh, with that certain, uh, then comes a certain letting go of this wanting to control and certainly with this uh, then uh, one uh, might experience um, the rising falling movement of the abdomen happening of its own accord. So quite naturally the same thing then could certainly also be experienced with regard to other predominant objects that come up in the body or in the mind during the sitting meditation. In the walking meditation, at least at times, we might notice that suddenly the walking is happening entirely of its own accord. So it's not me doing this, but rather it's just happening. At times, one might suddenly further notice that certain formations are hollow. They seem to be hollow. In other words, they are without a solid, a permanent core of a self. Now, in the course of uh, exploring the true reality of physical and certain mental formations. We uh, might uh, discover, as was outlined in uh, the previous Satna Dhamma talk on uh, Monday, the very breaking up of concepts such as uh, the uh, shape or contour of the body. One might notice certain distortions that are taking uh, place one might find that the form of the body is not well defined, in certain areas it, um, things seem to be missing, etc. So we can say there is, within the first couple of and knowledges, a gradual process going on of distortion and the dissolution of uh, the form, the shape, the contour of the body and uh, the various body parts. And as certainly explained certainly during the previous demo talk, this is a process that starts out with seeing formations from a conceptual point of view, so conceptual reality, and gradually then going to a point of seeing ultimate reality, what truly exists. Now, if someone has an extremely beautiful body. Let's say if someone has, the person has just become uh, Miss Universe. And uh, this Miss Universe, uh, then sets out uh, to uh, hears a lot about uh, the benefits of mindfulness practice, and then decides Satna uh, to do uh, a retreat, a mindfulness retreat and suddenly subscribes uh, uh, right away to several weeks of practice. Now, when Miss Universe starts suddenly seeing her body uh, distorting and uh, the beautiful contour disappearing, breaking up, etc., this uh, might be somewhat what? What? Gratifying? Well, it might become somewhat annoying or disconcerting what is going on with me, in other words, what is going on with my body with which I identify with. Now, there are still other practical aspects that uh, might certainly lead us to doubt you know, this assumption of a permanent self. So, usually, when hearing a sound, we'll say, I am hearing. But a careful observation of what actually is going on will lead us to rectify this statement to what? Yes, Jerry? Hearing is happening. Hearing is happening, there you go. Or there is hearing. The same thing, when seeing, usually we say, I am seeing. But upon a close observation of the seeing process, we notice there is just seeing and not I am missing. The same thing goes for the remaining sense-stored new processes. Now, on occasion, can see in a very clear-cut manner, can observe in a very clear-cut manner, this transition from first identifying with an object like a pain, so referring to it as my pain is giving me trouble, and suddenly then in the course of the observation, the Attitude towards the object changes. The mental factors suddenly change, and suddenly with this, then it's suddenly just observing a pain, and it's no longer considered as my pain, or it might go even to the point where one sees the pain as just another sensation. So with this, suddenly then a retreatant might see. First, the presence of the notion of self around my pain. Then gradually the sense of my pain falls away. The object is seen as just a sensation. And later on, when the pain becomes, let's say, excruciating, the sense of self comes back. And again, it's my pain that becomes intolerable. The same thing you know, could be experienced with regard certain to of thoughts. If at first sudden some really fascinating you know, thought suddenly has arisen into the mind, then quickly there will be an identification with it, not upon closer observation than sudden of thought you know, then gets seen as just another thought. So when you look at all the material that we've put certain together you know, so far, then uh, would you say it is certainly beneficial, it is fruitful to hold on to the notion of a self, to identify with this or that? Is it fruitful? Not really the more that we hold on to uh, something the more we will suffer and certainly keep in mind especially around certain uh, views that one is holding having to defend this view those certain views is rather a tiring affair and having to put up with the ups and downs of life um, gain and uh, loss and certain gain um, making oneself dependent on these certain things that is also not a good idea now in the course of and further practice as one more and more deeply understands the workings of the Self, the mind lets go of it, and suddenly there can be moments, if not periods, in one sudden meditation where there is just the object and the observing and knowing mind, and that's all, there is no Self that comes into the picture. Upon deeply, more and more deeply understanding the non self nature of formations, so the anatta uh, aspect, with this, then the practice matures, and with this, more and more equanimity develops towards stapna formations. This happens when one sees, in particular, the voidness of fatna-formations. Now, ultimately, when the mind is satna-well-developed, purified of unwholesome mental states, the mind is further uh, strong, the enlightenment factors are present, and certain other necessary conditions are you know, there, and then the you know, crossing over you know, from mundane consciousness to super mundane consciousness will take place and this certain process uh, will happen or it might certainly happen um, within m- 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 while contemplating the non-self nature of some object, any object will do, deeply understanding this, and suddenly the mind crosses over. So voidness, sunyata, can become the door to emancipation, or the door of emancipation. Now, just like in the case with uh, impermanence around Anatta too, now there is mention of uh, the perversion of, first of all, perception through the notion of a self, the assumption of an existing self, that then influences, colors, Consciousness, and suddenly that in turn leads to perversion of views. And through doing the practice and time and again, seeing this anatta aspect of formations, this thing will help to rectify those three perversions or distortions of perception, of consciousness, and of views. The Buddhist teachings are revolutionary first and foremost, because of this aspect of anatta. So he was certainly referred to as the anatta wadi or wadin. And uh, did he have many friends? Well, there were plenty of people who were ready to uh, debate on the existence or non existence of a self. And on many occasions, you know, the, the Buddha had to explain why you know, formations are non self. One way of doing this is, as we've seen already early on in the discourse, through this analysis, this objective analysis of physical and mental formations and checking for oneself whether there is truly a self in all of that. And the answer, obviously, then, is not. The second line of arguing, Used by the Buddha was because formations occur as processes in a cause effect relationship, they are not subject to control of a self or some supreme being. Now, furthermore, when we Ask ourselves whether this body, feelings, perceptions, volitional formations and consciousness are permanent or impermanent, obviously the answer is impermanent. And then what is impermanent is certainly it's sorrowful or happy. The answer to this then to this question raised by you know, the Buddha obviously is certainly that this is sorrowful and of what is impermanent, sorrowful, and liable to change, would it be proper to regard it as this is mine, this I am, this uh, uh, is uh, myself? So obviously it's not. A fourth line of argumentation uh, was to assume that that certain self is in control, that it is autonomous, and it decides. And so, based on this assumption, one should then be in a position to say, I will never get sick again. And certainly, obviously, Reality is different from that. Or one should be in a possession, and in in a, sorry, in a in position you know, to you know, say, well, mm, the self is in control of you know, things. So you know, let you know, this body remain youthful forever and again that is certainly something impossible so we see that certainly this autonomous condition of the self is certainly uh, not a reality. Now, in the second volume of uh, the Samyutta Nikaya, section sixty-two, the question uh, then is put to uh, the Buddha: What is it? that feels. And to this, the answer given was, there is no one who feels, but there is feeling. And likewise, who is it who becomes old and suffers Diseases and suddenly eventually dies. The answer should be there is old age, there is disease, and there is death. And obviously, that is taking quite a different approach. So, on many occasions. The Buddha has highlighted the uh, qualities of formations, namely, that they are impermanent, suffering, and non-self. The fourth volume of the Nikaya, section 28, states, all is impermanent, all is suffering, all is non-self. Dhammapada, verse 279, states all phenomena are without a self. the self and Nibbana is there such a thing as a self in Nibbana what would you say yes or no anyone no No? Uh, and that's correct there is none that sense of self falls totally away so after our exploration or based on our exploration up to this certain point it will be much easier to relate you know, to the buddha's uh, uh, discourse what is non-self as recorded as is recorded in the third volume of the samyutta nikaya uh, section 23 At sawati, bhikkhus, bhikkhunis and lay retreatants. Form is non-self. What is non-self should be seen as it really is with correct wisdom. Thus, this is not mine, this I am not, this is not myself. Feeling is not mine, this I am not, this is not myself. Perception is not uh, myself, and or is not mine, and this I am not, this is not myself. And the same thing goes for volitional formations and certain consciousness. So in the end, there's nothing that uh, could be said to be mm, mine, there's nothing that uh, um, one could identify with as I am, or as myself. The contemplation of this non-self aspect of formations is a really important part of the meditation practice. It is important, certainly, because it will Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.